LinkedIn presents. When people say, I want to get into tech, saying that statement is pretty broad. Um, you want to figure out what role in tech you want to do, right? Or do you want to be a, not everybody codes, right? Not everybody's a software developer. So is it that you want to be a data scientist and you want to be a software developer and you want to be a UX designer, right? And you want to work as customer success manager. Want to do with tech sales? Like there's different roles and different disciplines within within that domain that you need to narrow it down so you can actually focus focus your time and energy as you're trying to do that transition or trying to get into that career. No degree, no problem. Any problem we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We growing in the knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. I want to personally thank you for tuning in and supporting our show. If you haven't yet, hit that follow or subscribe button. I encourage you, don't keep this to yourself. Share these inspiring stories with your friends, invite them to subscribe, and connect with us on social media. So today, I have on Niku. Do you mind giving a brief intro about yourself? Yeah. Uh, hey, everyone. I'm Niku. I've uh, been in tech for about eight and a half years. Um, Working across uh, different disciplines from operations, engineering, and currently I'm a senior product manager. I transitioned without a degree. Prior to this, I was in the military for about 10 years. I uh, did three and a half years active duty and then six and a half years in the National Guard. So let's start off. People like to talk about success. Mm-hmm. If you could create a blueprint of success to pass on to someone without a college degree, what would it look like? You know, what to do, what not to do? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so... Recently, I've actually been thinking about this a lot more. And I think there's like five things you really have to do, to me at least, if I was going to make it as a framework. So first one is figuring out your why, uh, figuring out why you want to do something. So for example, in this context, let's just talk about tech, right? Um, If you want to transition into tech, figure out why you want to transition into tech. Is it because you want to build things? Is it because of, you know, the, the... lifestyle it affords you or, you know, what is it that drives you to get into tech, right? I think it's very important because uh, when you do your transition or your your journey to that new goal or that new career, you'll face some rough times, right? It's not that it's not that easy to worry like, hey, you do this program and then you get a job and it's all of that, right? It's, it's not that um, not that easy. So you want to figure out your why so that you can always um, get back to that as you go into your journey. Uh, the second thing is really figuring out what your discipline is that you're trying to go at. So again, in the tech example, when people say, I want to get into tech, saying that statement is pretty broad. Um, you want to figure out what role in tech you want to do, right? Or do you want to be a, not everybody codes, right? Not everybody's a software developer. So is it that you want to be a data scientist? Do you want to be a software developer? Do you want to be a UX designer, right? Do you want to work as customer success manager, Want to do tech sales? Like, there's different roles and different disciplines within within that domain that you need to narrow it down so you can actually focus focus your time and energy as you're trying to do that transition or trying to get into that career. As soon as you narrow down what you want, so let's just say, for example, you want to be a software developer, then you got to figure out the gap, right, in skills and experience that you need to need to bridge. And usually, there's multiple paths to it. Uh, again, with the tech example, if you want to be a software developer. You can do about five things, right? One, you could do um, go back to college, uh, get your college degree, get your computer science degree, go to that route. Um, you can go to the self-taught route. Um, you can go to you know like get into the MOOCs out there or free code camp, YouTube universities, what I call it, where you just watch all these free YouTube videos that talks about how to code uh, and get you get you started there. 
Um, you can also attend a more specialized course, like a tech bootcamp, for example, where it's concise. Maybe your time is limited and you really want to just get into the to the meat of it, right? We're like, okay, how do you how do you code using a you know, JavaScript and all that stuff, right? So it's very specialized, short in time. Um, it's fairly intensive. Another way you could do that also is like going to a career transition program that's um, usually held by a lot of nonprofits. So, for example, NPower. NPower, Year Up, those organizations help you transition, right? Give you the training and also partner with different um, organizations or companies to get you some internship or apprenticeships type of roles. And lastly, again, apprenticeships. A lot of companies now want to, you know, teach you the skills while and then allow you to join right? Or have the opportunity to join afterwards. So those are like five paths that I, you know, that you could do if you want to be a software developer, right? Um, number four would be finding a community and uh, a mentor. Uh, I think it's pre- fairly important uh, as you do this journey, because one, the journey doesn't have to be lonely. Uh, it's really, it's really important to know, like you have a support group or just really a mentor that maybe is a couple years, even you know, a couple months ahead of you uh, that that's doing the same journey as you, right? Because they might be able to give you some insight, some uh, pitfalls that they maybe ran into and and challenges they ran into and give you some uh, thoughts on that, right? And lastly, build your online presence and your personal brand. Um, this one is something that I wish I did a lot sooner. I think it, especially now on the current time, online presence is fairly important, uh, your personal brand, because it chases you everywhere and can build a lot of connections great networks and also you know just having visibility in who you are you could be the best software developer out there you could be the best ux designer out there if nobody can find you nobody can discover you nobody knows you okay it's kind of hard to find a job right so i think that's really important to do it as you um even as you just started even if you're just learning oftentimes people root for those that are just starting up and seeing the journey progress and at the end of it you start realizing oh, i already know what you did and what you've been learning and all that stuff so yeah i think that's my five um just recap you know figure out your why um choose a discipline bridge the skill and experience gap join a community find a mentor and then lastly build your online presence or build your network yeah, yeah. i i love that because you literally summarize <laughs> the questions that a lot of people ask or that they didn't know that they should ask I find so many people get into tech and I I spoke to someone years ago and now they're actually a product manager, but they were like, hey, I got to become a software engineer. I was like, you know, that's the only route. And now I was talking to them and then I didn't see that passion, right? It it seemed more like money. I was like, why? They're like, hey, this is the only way I'm going to make six figures. And I was like, no, actually, there are a lot more ways. (laughs) You know, you have this background, you have transferable skills, you have, there's a gap that you have and sometimes the gap is just knowing how to present yourself knowing how to connect with people and all that because they had a lot they had the personal brand mm-hmm. and then you know what they went down the product management line and they focused more on the product marketing side since they had a marketing background and lo and behold they are making well above six figures and you know they became a product manager for like you know one of the top couple of the top tech companies so this is something a lot of people mistake because if you don't like software engineering and that's not your why and it's just money, the fact is you're just going to get burned out. Like if you're coding at 8 p.m. at night, you have to have that why. Like, hey, I love this. I enjoy it. I love building. I want to be part of something versus, hey, just money. It's just usually yeah. that's not enough, right? And the fact is there are many ways to make money in careers that, you know, and there are so many options now. And then the other thing is that personal brand really plays a factor. I got my last two jobs, my current job and the last one. 
because of personal branding. I've met so many people, you know, that's how we met, you know, you have a great presence and you meet so many people who, who know what you do. So you're a senior product manager. Do you mind sharing what does a product manager do? And then what are the salary ranges? Because, you know, a lot of time people, right, that is important to know, right? Yep. You're going to invest a lot of time in the career. What are the ranges? Yeah, I think to me, like, um, I, I always just position this as simple as I can for like what product management is. It's really solving the why, what, when, where, who um, of like the product question. Uh, so, for example, if you're building, if you're trying to solve a problem, you Product managers are like the ones that identify the problems um, and, you know, collaborate with different folks out there for, from UX, from engineering to create a solution that'll solve the customer need and also bring value to the business, right? Because at the end of the day, it's still a business, right? So you have to get those two things aligned. Hey, are you frustrated with your job search? Are you sending out resume after resume with no callbacks? If so, I have some good news. After three years of helping over 400 people land jobs at places like Meta, HubSpot, Google, Twitter, Amazon, Tesla, Disney, Sony, just to name a few, I created a course. In the Get Your Dream Career course, you'll discover best practices for creating a resume that stands out, and you'll also learn how to optimize your job search. It covers every aspect of the job, including resumes, application strategy, networking, LinkedIn profile optimization, interview guidance, and salary negotiation. You will also get a behind-the-scenes view of how recruiters use LinkedIn to find candidates. And of course, you'll get resume and cover letter templates. Get one step closer to your dream job. Sign up at the link in the notes below. So that's kind of what product managers do. Uh, it's, there's a lot of different things you do on a day-to-day -day basis to get that accomplished. Can range from a lot of customer meetings uh, or just you know internal um, design collaboration or uh, strategy. Or there's definitely a lot of meetings. That's that's for sure um, that we're trying to take get get away from. But it's just core of it because you're one of the nexus points for getting things done, um, and you're one of the primary stakeholders, or you are actually the main stakeholder for your product, right? In terms of like salary. I've seen a, a couple of ranges from it, uh, depending on, of course, the size of the company, um, the domain it's on. If it's one of bigger tech companies, um, it can range, you know, usually I would say if you're an entry level, I would say the range is about like 95 to 130. I'm not even including the, I guess, the other conversation within stocks. I would just say that more on base, but it highly depends on the on the company that, that you join, for sure. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. Like, I was interviewing for a product manager role. I think one I interviewed was 80K, like, no stock. And <laughs> yeah. then others I interviewed for, like, 200K with stock. So it's a very wide range. And it, yep. again, it's going to depend on the company, the culture, a lot of factors. But one thing to know is it is a very competitive industry. Even though an entry-level product manager job says entry-level, the people coming in may not be entry-level. There are people who are coming in with five to eight years experience, maybe from a marketing domain, from a specific technology domain. Maybe they come from a specific software that they worked on and now yep. they're kind of doing that. So that's one thing to really know. And that's why you can have those higher level ones because yes, it's entry level, but it's entry level within product management, not necessarily entry level as in your first job. Yeah, I think uh, that's actually a really good point. Um, I talk about when I talk, when people ask me about product management, and how to get into it, um, I tell them it's fairly competitive and it's one of those catch-22 uh, roles where it's like, hey, we need your you to have product management experience 
to get into product man to this entry level product management role, right? Like it's it's one of the harder ones. And then there's obviously a ratio to it. Um, you can you know talk about like you know you can have maybe you know, eight developers to one product manager. I mean, I'm sure designers also have a similar ratio out there. So it's fairly competitive, and it's hard to break into. If I'm being honest, unless you've yeah had some, you know, if you go to an APM program, apprenticeship, or transferring internally, or you build your own business, right? Um, yeah. Those are like the, the four ways, really, that you could break into product. Of course, there's always the, I'm just going to spray and pray and just apply as much as I can. Hopefully, somebody <laughs> looks at my resume and gives me a shot to an interview. Um, but it, it's a fairly competitive and hard role to break into. I know for me personally, yeah. I had to do it internally. Um, I tried applying externally when I was at Microsoft at that time. I was trying to apply externally in different roles, but it was super hard that I had to do it internally. So build relationships from there, like, hey, I'm really interested in doing this product management thing. And I was able to do that from there. Yeah. yeah. And then building your own business and building your own product, I would say is the easiest way because you can control it. Like no one's yeah. stopping you from doing that. And the fact is, it doesn't have to be crazy successful or and all that. The fact is, you have to go through the process and understand something. And it's that mindset. I know sometimes it's like if you have a friend with the business, just say, hey, I'll help you build a product. Yeah. I'll help you strategize in it. And then put it on your resume as like, hey, I'm an associate product manager for this startup. And that's one way that I've seen a lot of people break in. So you have to be creative in product, right? You have to be creative in how the customer finds your product, how the yeah. customer uses your product. So that's one thing. And it's super competitive because I know the higher level salaries want that once you get to senior PM, and again, depending on the company, there's lead product manager, group product manager, right? The salaries can go from 150 to at the director level, you know, you're getting total comps of like 600K to a million plus. So that's why it's really competitive because yeah. you do have that <laughs> stepping stone. So now let's go into your story. Yeah. Like you went back and forth to the Philippines, like how was that? Yeah, so um, so my we initially got here. My my family. Well, I initially got here when I was like nine. Um, did like two years, two and a half years here. Um, my parents were like first generation, obviously first generation immigrants, and just hustling. And they're like, we can't watch you, right, while you're here, and we're working three jobs. So they sent me back to the Philippines to uh, you know, um, spend my childhood with my grandparents and my aunts and uncles um so they kind of proxy raised me while i was there um and they got back here when i was 17 um because you know at that time you know i would have i would lose my um you know my no not lose but because my mom basically got her citizenship back uh got her citizenship and she was like hey you gotta come here now so you can actually so you don't have to go through this entire process since you're still a minor I was like okay cool i'll show up so i ended up coming back when I was 17. But at, while I was in the Philippines, I actually took one year of college. Um, I took up information technology uh, in one of the local universities there. And, you know, it's actually interesting because when I was doing it there at that time, like we don't, I didn't have a laptop. So when we were coding, it was like on a notebook. <laughs> and we would submit a notebook and our professor would grade it from there. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of where, you know, where that came from. Like I just, my parents were just, too busy working and they're like hey you, you can't you don't want you just stay at home just being locked up so go back to the philippines and have fun there if you don't mind sharing what type of jobs did your parents do so my parents um held a lot of retail jobs retail jobs at that time but they my mom moved into uh the medical field because you know our our culture that's what Filipinos. <laughs> I, I, I see the memes all the time it's like yeah <laughs> so my, my mom went to a uh, 
the medical field as um, assistant nursing, I believe it's what it is, but she worked at a hospital. I worked at a hospital at one point, but more on the um, hospitality side. Uh, that was my first job, actually, when I, when I got into the U.S., just serving um, hospital patients' foods. And my dad um, just worked on retail and also um, worked on maintenance stuff. Okay. Now, what'd you want to be in high school? So in high school, I think I already knew that I wanted to do something with computers. Um, I've always gravitated to it. Initially, I wanted to, you know, build a video game. Uh, that was kind of what's motivating me. I was like, I want to want to build video games. And, you know, in order to do that, I was like, oh, I got to be a software developer. So I knew I wanted to be in that field. I wanted to be in the tech field. I just didn't realize that there was other things within the tech field. And once I got into the, you know, software development role, I was like, oh, I guess there's other stuff I could do as well. Yeah, that's cool. So now you had your first job. Mm-hmm. Like, what was the plan? Because you didn't go to college. And was there a reason you didn't go to college? Great question. So when I was getting out of the military and active duty, uh, that was back in 2014, I actually got into a program called Microsoft Software and Systems Academy. It's kind of like a coding boot camp, quote unquote, uh, back in 2014 when it wasn't really that big yet, where they taught us how to code. Uh, we didn't really do a lot of web stuff, but it was more on um, desktop applications. So we're able to do uh, universal Windows uh, platform applications and th- those things. And basically at a time, I was on that fork where I was like, hey, you got this opportunity to be an operations analyst, an international operations and traffic analyst at you know a company, or you can go back to college, right? Use my GI Bill and do that. Um, and I kind of chose the, hey, I'm just going to learn on the job route. Um, so I went to join... Um, uh, Expedia at the time, uh, worked in operations and didn't really know what a server was. I know how to code some command line stuff, but everything was fairly new, like the cloud and all that. Uh, so I just learned as I go. So I was drinking off the fire hose the entire two years. And I and I was thinking in my head, like, okay, from here, I need to figure out my path next to software development, right? Because that's that was my goal. And from my role in operations, uh, I think a year in, a year in, I started doing some coding while in my operations jobs. So it was basic automation of like a report that we were doing, and from there I was kind of you know talking to different <laughs> different uh, orgs and different managers within our um, within our company. And you know one slot opened up where it's entry level, and they were like, okay, it seems like we we see your commitment to this or like your your potential to this. They they invested in me, and I was able to transition into that role. So. I worked as a software developer there. So, that's, okay. so what that's, languages did you learn? At that time, um, I was learning Ruby because uh, it's a simpler language to learn. But when I got into the job, I was doing C Sharp and Java. I ended up working on two different applications that was internal tooling. Um, one was written in C Sharp, the other one was with Java. Yeah, <laughs> those are the two languages I had to do. Did you learn on the job, YouTube, books? When I was learning Ruby, I was learning definitely from YouTube. Um, a lot of it was self-taught. Actually, even on C Sharp. C Sharp was taught on us on that MSSA program, that Microsoft Software and Systems Academy program. So I had some background on that. But learning Java, for example, I just picked that up from online. I used Derek Bonas was one of the one of the YouTube channels that I used heavily. Uh, he had solid videos for if you already have some general idea in what, you know, from a previous coding language kind of ramps you up pretty quick. So it's like, okay, this is what the syntax would look like and all that stuff. So I used that while I was going through it. And then at that time too, um, our company was doing a transition from like on-premises data centers to the cloud. Uh, So I was fortunate enough to be enrolled in a program for cloud technologies. 
it's called Cloud Genius, be a Cloud Genius, or no, Cloud Genius certification at that time, um, where they taught us more on, you know, just the cloud in general, like DevOps, uh, like what, what a SaaS, what, you know, different um, segments of uh, the cloud is. And yeah, I think that also helped me out a lot to get the right um, foundations for uh, being in tech. Did you feel you had limited opportunities because you didn't have a degree? To be honest, a little bit at that time, for sure. Like if I was ex- applying externally, it was kind of hard to get an interview just because one, I was fairly young at the time. Like my my age would be similar age group as those that are, trend- that are just graduating, right? Graduating college and then you have, you know, you don't have a college degree. And I, I even remember actually one recruiter because I wrote down like one my my one year experience right in, in college there. Yeah, I, I wrote it down there, and they were like, "Hey, did you actually finish this?" And they kind of gave a comment. I was like, did you, "You shouldn't probably you know write this down here if you don't really have it." I was like, "Well, I thought I I wanted to show that I had one year degree at least to yeah. or one year of experience right on in, in college and all that stuff." But I would say it did because I never really got a lot of calls um, at that time um, when I was tra- if I was applying externally. But I've realized is people without degrees like. They need to, their resumes need to be sharper, need to be better. And it was a different time, right? Now it's a lot different, right? Now it's like companies are just much more open. They, they care more about the experience, their projects you can do, open source, all that stuff. Oh, I was just going to add there um, real quick. I think it's actually, at least for the past, I want to say four years, there's definitely been a big uptick to um, companies investing in more, I guess, different backgrounds non-traditional backgrounds and you see this through you know big companies like even google right now has apprenticeship programs freaking uh, microsoft um it's like 33 if i remember correctly because i ended up just writing these things down as part because again this is like a common thing that people ask me like hey how do, how do i get into this it's like there's apprenticeship programs like 33 out there that you can find out right like here here you go um so i think there's been a lot more investment um from actual companies and i want to say that the data for the past couple of years when they started really tracking this has helped move the needle for that. And especially with the growth of startups, I think that's really contributed because a lot of founders were like dropouts. They just self-taught. They just were really fixated on the problem and they came from really non-traditional backgrounds and they got funding and it really set the tone. Now, what did you do to get ahead? So I had to do a lot of learning. Um, a lot had to like when I got into the job, right? Um, some folks might think like, "Hey, as soon as you break into tech and you get the job, you stop." Nah, that's, that's a starting point. <laughs> In fact, once you get there, you realize like, "Oh man, I have to learn a lot more." Um, you getting through the door does not is not the end. Like, there's still a lot of rooms that you have to <laughs> explore, right? And it, to me, I had to constantly learn something. So I invested in myself either through, you know, watching, you know, self-study material that's out there or really going to invest my time in a, for example, going to a coding boot camp, right? I went to ended up going because my GI bill paid for it. I was like, okay, it's no brainer. Like I could just use that to, you know, not even spend my own money for it. Um, I just go there and actually just learn this um, and use my time there. And then also like when I was transitioning from software engineering to product management, I ended up investing in, uh, and it's funny because like post-college education, right? I was like, well, I never really graduated. So I ended up joining like a, a night degree, right? I was like, okay, more, it's more pro- professionals that they taught, um, you know, software product management. It's from UW at that time. Okay. And, you know, I, I found those things valuable because I really like application versus theory. Uh, so the programs that I 
uh, gravitate towards are the ones that gets my hands dirty and, you know, have somebody there that's actually done it and me being able to ask them like, hey, why is this happening? Why is this, how would this actually happen in a real world scenario? Like, let's take off the textbooks. What would happen in a real world scenario if this pops up, right? So I found those uh, kind of programs very helpful. And I've ended up doing, and to, to identify those things, I ended up writing a list, list of skills that I'd have a gap on. And I try to figure out like, how do I bridge this? And just find programs. So if, if it, I usually start with something that's, that it's free, <laughs> that's free and easily accessible. That's why I always start with YouTube and see if somebody has some content there already. Cause sometimes some skills that you might need, you know, like if you just need some kind of, you know, how to better present data using Google Sheets, I can probably find that in YouTube somewhere, right? Like if you yeah. want a general idea on like how, you know, Docker works or how does um, a Next.js application work, right? You can find that online. Yeah, you don't have to pay somebody for it. So, and if you if you if you want to pay somebody for it, that's totally fine too. But I would suggest choosing a free option first, and then once you realize, like, oh, looks like I'm getting blocked a lot, and it would really help if somebody can unblock me. That's when you start realizing, okay, maybe I have to pay someone to do it because you can learn everything online for free. Yeah, wholeheartedly believe that. It's just a lot more time that you have to spend debugging, going to forums, yeah. going to stack. <laughs> well, maybe Chat GPT will help you out now, but it it helps unblock you. I love how you said it because I find some people invest way too early. Yeah. And I think you you should start off with something free so you get an idea, you build that muscle, you build that learning aspect. And now when you do pay someone, you have an idea of what you're paying for. Yeah. Because I see so many people, they're like, hey, pay me for XYZ. And it's like, hey, that's free code camp. <laughs> like <laughs> you want to make sure that if you're paying someone that they're saving you a significant amount of time, that they're giving you direction and that you're getting an ROI from it. Yep. And you know, so it's about finding the balance because I find the other extreme where some people never pay and then it's like, look, you pay off with time. And at, at a certain point, yep. you have to value your time at whatever, 30, 50, whatever dollars an hour. And you're going to be like, well, if I'm spending three months learning this stuff, Versus I can learn it in three weeks. If I two months faster, that means I can get two clients valued at X, Y, Z and I could do that. So again, it's always a trade-off and it's always yeah. good to kind of do that. And you have to value your time because again, time flies. Like, you know, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's really important that you call that out too. Cause um, like for me right now, like when I have, uh, especially either mentees or my friends asking for, for like advice and like getting into tech, like I usually put up either free code camp first or even a Udemy course. Um, because there was one course that I found um, that mimicked my experience when I went to uh, the coding bootcamp. I was like, oh, it's actually fairly similar in the syllabus that I just give that to them. I was like, hey, you know, let me know what you think because this actually mimics the syllabus that I was going through, uh, minus the last part. And it should give you enough fundamental knowledge on it that when you actually invest your time in you know, coding bootcamp, because coding bootcamps now is not cheap. Like I remember yeah. before it was like maybe nine grand, maybe 10 grand, but now it's, yeah, yeah. it's really Super up, there, up there. <laughs> so, yeah. And there are a lot more. So even yeah. if you find one for 10 grand, I know someone who paid 10 grand for it and they said, honestly, they felt that it was worth more like three to five K based on the value that they got from it. So it's, and then some are like 20, 30 grand. And then some are the, Hey, they take 20% of your salary. And then for people that can yeah. be very like, oh, okay. But then when you start working, you start realizing, well, hey, I'm going to make 
18K. They're going to take this for 18 months, 24 months. Then I have taxes yep. and I have this. It's something to be concerned about. I mean, it's still cheaper than college. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I will sure. say that. <laughs> for sure. <let's> be... <laughs> yeah. That's true. But, you know, you want to be smart. You want to be yep. smart because, again, that's, you know, you, the money you save, you could invest in other things, right? Yep. And going back to the earlier thing, that mentorship makes a big difference. Like, I've had mentors, but I wish I had more. And I understood the concept of a mentor because as an immigrant, it was you mentor, mentee, you didn't really have that concept. I didn't have that concept at least. And had I known about it, I would have been like, hey, there like you can find someone that you organically like support you. And yeah. like my mentor, I probably met her maybe when I was 27-ish, uh, something like that. And she has saved me years of my life. Like years. Like I there's some things I just would not know because she had 20 years of experience and she had all this thing. And the other thing that I would really encourage people is you can add value to your mentors. So it doesn't yep. just go one way. Like they can teach you things, but you can also teach them, hey, did you know that you could use ChatGPT to debug code? And so just realize that you could do it both ways. I've definitely done, um, I've been a mentee. I'm still a mentee right now. And, you know, I've also become a mentor, right? From the mentee side, I've seen the benefits of it helping my career heavily. Um, and then for the mentor side, like, as you said, like you still learn from mentees. Like I, I think for me, a lot of times mentees have really good questions and some bad questions. And then you also kind of frame that and it helps you. I would say it actually helps you f- make your, what your thoughts, you know, make it more um, concise. Uh, at least to me, that's how I've been able to come up with these things, right? Like for example, the five, five things that I've, yeah, that I've, it was so good. Yeah, I was like, I've been asked that so many times. Like, okay, it seems like a common problem. It helps you validate one. It's like, okay, is it a common problem? Will it help a lot of people, right? Is this a common thing that people ask, right? Um, It's a good source of questions and content. (laughs) It's the way I see it. You know, the other thing that I tell a lot of people, being a mentor, and you could volunteer through organizations, you could do yourself, is a, and you could put on your resume, is a great way to get that initial management experience because... Hey, someone asked you, you don't have this experience, but you can say, hey, I've taken time outside of work to volunteer at organizations and help entry-level people, and I've been guiding them through their process. Here's what I'm learning. Here's what I'm good at. Here's where I need to improve. So again, just a great way to give back and also elevate your career. No, totally agree. Um, totally agree. It's one of the things you'll be end up doing if you're a people manager, right? You're going to be mentoring yeah. folks, coaching folks. And you know, I think also, especially if you're coming from a similar background, I've learned to appreciate like, you know, getting in my position now, like looking back at the folks that are just starting out and coming to the, trying to do the journey that I was on. It's like, man, you're going to have a good time. I mean, it's going to be challenging, but it's going to be a good time. And you're able to, you know, watch them, the, the satisfaction of seeing them grow in their careers yeah. has just been fantastic. It's so fantastic. It's very um, fulfilling. That's the word I would use. Very fulfilling to see them grow. Yeah, it is because I've been at really active on Twitter and I see people on their 100 days of code and all that. <laughs> and then like, hey, I got my first job. I got my first offer. You know, the big things is when they start getting interviews. And the second thing is when they start getting, you know, their first job. And then the third thing is when you see them get another job or you can see them get a promotion. You're like, wow, I can't believe you've been at this place like two years. Like I'm freaking old right now. <laughs> now, what would you say are some of the mistakes you've made? I think some of the 
mistakes or I guess challenges that I had. Um, I think at one point in time, I was, uh, I had too much stuff on my plate um, and I had to address that. So for example, back in, I transition, I think I transitioned into product management in 20, yeah, 2018. I had a lot of things on my plate at that time. I was like, oh, maybe I should, shouldn't have taken too many things. Like for example, at that time I was, I was moving from software engineering to product. I was going to the software product management course at night. I was also planning a wedding. I was still in the oh. guard and I was a team leader. So I was, uh, I was managing four people on my off days. And, and once, once every month, we would show up to drill. Um, I think that's one of the things that I realized as a mistake. It was like, oh, I have too much stuff on my plate. I need to make sure I prioritize because I almost, I almost burned out at that time. It just reached my capacity. I was like, okay, one month in, I was like, oh, I need to tell my, um, my software. I, I actually deprioritized my software product management um, course at that time. I had to tell them like, hey, I need to take a one semester break because right now, like the next three months, I have way too many things. Like I'm already drinking off the fire hose at work because I was, <laughs> I was working with like three, uh, principal level software engineers that are asking me what our strategy is. I'm like, man, it's like, like 10th day on a job. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, 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 give me a breather. So I, I had to do that. And of course I was still in this, in the national guard at the time where that's a commitment that I have for that time. I think I still had like two years in my contract. So I can't just like say, Hey, I'm going AWOL guys. I'm not going to be doing this anymore. So yeah. I had to deprioritize that learning. Um, of course I was also getting married. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I have to, you know, prioritize that. Cause it, you know, it's a, it was a destination wedding and I was planning for my, I was project managing my own wedding. Um, so that's, uh, that I feel bad for you. That's something I don't ever want to <laughs> do. It actually, I'm not sure if I mentioned it, but at that time I also had a business. I was, so one of the things oh. I had to do to bridge my gap um, on product management was getting the business side of things. Cause I have the tech background already. I, I can talk all technical all, all I want, but yeah. anytime when I interviewed and talked to people, people always tell me like, I didn't have the business experience for it. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to start a business. And that's what I ended up doing. It's like, I ended up starting a, a backpack business. Um, and it was Q4 at that time. And I was like, oh man, oh, I, had, okay. I had to like sell these things. And I was like, oh, people are buying. And I had to, you know, get, make sure it gets into the, into the warehouse and all that stuff. Cause it wasn't, we built it from scratch. And I was like, oh man. And then, yeah, that's another, <laughs> that's when I realized like, okay, there's too much, too much stuff here. So I need to scale back. I even deprioritized that, that business. I was like, oh, Nope. Based on my priority, this is the things that I need to do. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's so important because when you're learning, you think you have to do everything. Yep. And the fact is you can't, right? Yep. Or it comes at a price, right? That maybe it can cost a relationship, yep. burnout, you can miss out on work. So it's like, hey, what's more important to me right now? And after I go through this phase, then I can focus on the other things. So I, I think it's very important. And it really shows a sign of maturity. Now, Looking back, what would you say is your biggest accomplishment? That's a really good question. I think it kind of depends on like different um, aspects, I would think. I think to me, it's being able to work on products that really make a big impact on the world has been like a big achievement for me. Regardless of, you know, if it's me working on the background, um, building data, uh, helping build data centers for Azure or, um, you know, windows notifications and all that stuff like i found those like i think just being in the field <laughs> being able to build those experiences for me is a for me is a very um awesome experience like the way i see it is that if i can help bring positive impact to people's lives i would take it right that's the big achievement and 
recently actually I've, I've I've reflected on this and why I really enjoyed tech, why why I'm in tech, right? And it's really to build positive experience to people. Uh, I know this impacted me. So last year, um, I lost my grandfather, and he was ill in the Philippines, um, did complications with COVID and all that stuff. But we weren't able to, you know, we would have gone back home. But at that time, like there's lockdowns and all that stuff. So we ended up talking to him, the mess, uh, Facebook Messenger app, right? We just talked to them on the on the phone. I was I was actually able to make my peace and actually able to say, make him laugh one last time on on you know on his hospital yeah. bed, right? And because. I would have felt terrible if I wouldn't able be able to do that. So after that happened, I was like, man, I can only imagine how many people behind the scenes made this happen, made this experience happen, right? It's like there's some software engineer out there making sure that, you know, that the the code works for different platforms. So I was on desktop. They were in mobile. Some product manager had to prioritize this. Some UX designer had to make sure it's easy and easy to use so that everybody can use it. Some production engineer or site reliability engineer out there is making sure that all services are running, and then somebody from the data center, right, is probably building, making sure that the infrastructure is actually not running really hot, right? To me, that's my achievement. Like being able, because I worked on things like that too. Like I focus on platforms and just realizing that I'm able to help provide those experiences, regardless of you know what company that's building on top of our platforms, is my biggest achievement. Touching people's lives. So. Yeah. No, I love that, and it, it's so cool because. You know, the people in the Philippines that probably have no idea. They just know, hey, we click a button and we talk to these people on the other side of the world. Yeah. And that's really it. Like, they yeah. don't need to know that. But that experience that they can share is just amazing. And that's like a, something that you can cherish, right? Um, yeah, for sure. And especially like when you can record these things and all that or screenshots or yep. whatever. Those are things that truly last forever. So that's, that's important. So what would you say was the hardest period of your life that you went through? So actually, it was last year. So last year, I actually hit burnout um, within my uh, my career. Um, it was pretty rough. Uh, I probably even had, I, I ended up, you know, I think I was back in July, I would say, when I started realizing, I was like, oh, really, I'm burning out here. I wasn't able to, the stuff that I do, used to do to make sure that I don't hit it was not working anymore. I was like, oh crap. So I need to figure this out. So it was a very big low point to me and I had to figure out, you know, prioritize my my health. In fact, like I think it was only three and a half months into my new job at that time. I was like, hey, I need to talk to management and tell them like, hey, you know, maybe I have to leave <laughs> to prioritize my health, right? And uh, I did end up taking a break, um, took a couple weeks off and a couple things, you know, I did help out. Um, helped me realign my my values and mission and just, you know, trying to make sure that I I uh I want to continue or is it cuz I, I had to ask myself like is it is it the job is it tech and all that stuff and I, and even thought even went through my uh process in my head where I was like what happens if I double my current uh compensation what if I joined the this dream team that I used to want to work on before right like would that make me happy and I was like I realized then that was like, hey, no, <laughs> no, that won't, that, won't, that won't solve the thing. I was like, oh, okay, so I am, I really need to reevaluate. Um, and obviously got professional help for it, um, and it helped out a lot. Uh, it helped me set my priorities and realign things, and you know, I, I enjoy working in tech again. So that's that's pretty big for me. That's amazing, and I'm glad you were able to seek help, and that help got you to where you are today. Now you mentioned that. There are some usual things that you did to combat burnout, but they weren't working. What are those usual things that you do? 
Yeah, so the way I uh, do things is I always usually run in sprints. Um, uh, so every quarter I I take a week off. Uh, so I would go hard for like three months and then start a new quarter, I take one week off, right? And that's been working for the past like eight years, regardless of what I'm doing, operation, going to a software engineering product. But last year, for some reason, on that quarterly thing, I was like, oh, I missed it. Like I, what happened here? Like I'm not feeling... Not feeling good. And then I looked at, um, I journal. Uh, I've been journaling daily uh, since 2019. And at the end of the day, I usually have like a, a marker, right? Like I would rate my days, like one out of five. And another indicator there was like, for the first time in years, I've actually indicated like a one, an end of the day rating of one. And that to me was a big signal. I was like, okay, let's figure something out. Something's wrong here. So I tried to obviously um, uh, remediate it or mitigate the situation as much as I can. It's like, okay, how can we get back in a good mood? Kind of work. And then a week later, I filed a one again. I was like, okay, so let's go. That's how I ended up seeking additional help on, on it. But to me, um, things I did was the quarterly um, breaks and also the um, journaling really are things that helped me with those things. Yeah. Now, what are your future goals? So right now, I'm on a point where I'm trying to figure out what's next, actually. I'm on a, I've been telling folks I, I'm, I'm on a side quest right now to figure out what other things are out there. Like, is, you know, should I climb the corporate ladder still? Like doing, you know, even on, on, the, on the career side, where it's like, should I go continue being um, individual contributor or should I go into the management route as my next step? Like, what is it that, you know, what I should do? Um, and then I also have my priorities right now is like really starting a family and all that. Um, so that weighs heavily on my decisions and what's next. Now I've been floating, going for a sabbatical too. It's like, hey, you know, maybe I should take a full year off. Like maybe just focus on things that I've been um, neglecting either through the arts or, um, you know, focus on jiu-jitsu or Muay Thai. Um, enjoy that for a little bit. Uh, but one core focus to me has been in climate tech. The thing I was telling you uh, before the call started, right? I was like, well, I'm going through my class right now and like learning about, you know, what, what the climate challenges are. Right, with what different domains it is, and what can I do to help, you know, alleviate that? Like, is there where can I leverage my skills, my my skills that I've been, um, I should say, collecting but growing <laughs> since since you know since my career started? What can I focus those things on um, to, see, to help on the on the, on the climate um, climate crisis? So, those are the things that I'm focusing on is my next step. I don't have a great answer for you aside from I'm figuring things out right now. I'm definitely on the strategic planning phase on where, where do I see myself in another five, 10 years, right? Yeah, I mean, that is a great answer because the fact is it's like goals change all the time and I think we need to have those periods of life where we're like, hey, let's reevaluate. Let's see what's important to me. Let's see what's the next stage. Now, this is going to be very different. So, you know, take your time. If you saw your 18-year-old self walking across the street in today's environment, what would you tell them? Yeah, I would tell them, hey, follow your curiosity, regardless of what other people say. Figure out what you want to, you know, what you're curious on, because that energy from curiosity will drive you to learn all the things. And you have time. You have, you know, you have, um, you know, a great, a great support um, system through your family. And, you know, you, your friends and family, and you'll have them to support you. But you also have to figure out what you want to do for yourself. Even if it means, you know, it's not what your 
what your peers or your family thinks is successful, you have to chart your own path. And, you know, it's, it's okay. You'll be fine. Uh, I love that. Now, how would people get in contact with you? How would people support your journey? Yeah, so um, I'm in LinkedIn. Um, also in starting on Twitter. So I started doing Twitter now since February. Um, I have my website for nicoparente.com. In there, like if you're curious about tech resources, I've been curating different resources right now. Like right now, I have 79 different free resources that you can use or you know leverage either through apprenticeships, career transition programs, communities, self te- uh, self-taught program. It's there. It's just because, like, like I said earlier, like people ask me the same question over and over. It's like, I'll just post this up somewhere um, and point people there. Uh, so they can get in contact through there. I also have a newsletter that they can contact me through. Um, but I'm definitely more active in uh, LinkedIn or Twitter. They can all, if you're a veteran, I am in um, Veterati. Uh, it's for mentorship programs for military veterans uh, or service members. So you can book a time with me there. And I'm also in uh, Mentor Mesh. So um, if, you, if you guys have any questions for me there, feel free to reach out. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. This was such a cool episode. Really looking forward to interacting with you, supporting you on LinkedIn, and just seeing where the next phase of your life goes. Appreciate it, brother. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and we'll go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast. On Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree inc. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, nodegree.com.